You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also, for the podcast, a new sponsor this year that's just come on board and super excited to announce RCB Bank. Since 1936, RCB Bank has offered progressive products and a friendly service. Come in today to find out more about their loan promotion on new used refinance cars, boats, campers, and ATVs. Visit RCB Bank to learn more. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, restrictions apply. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode down at the Bedford studio today with my guest, Tim Denny. Uh, by me doing some research, I realized that we both went to SNU. Ah, okay, yeah. great, fantastic. Uh, it's uh, Proud. Very, yeah, it's a, such a small, for such a small school, it has such a wide reach. Sure. I always seem to bump into someone who either went to the online program or, you know, or went to the school. Um, but thanks for coming to the podcast studio. Excited to, you know, to dive into to your backstory. Matt Thomas spoke very highly of you and said that you know as as happens with every podcast guest they always ask you know who who do you know and who do you have has an interesting story that that we should share to the podcast and you were one of the very few names that came up um so thanks for coming down i guess for everyone listening um you know when someone asks you who are you what do you do wow okay how much time do we have again uh, 45 minutes? <laughs> so, How much time do you have? <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, I, I'm a Southern California transplant mm-hmm. to Oklahoma at the age of 13, which was a pretty significant adjustment, as yeah, you yeah. can imagine. And uh, went to Mayfield Junior High, followed through Putnam City West, and got married at 19. Mm-hmm. Um, had our first child at uh, 22, and was on a um, 10-year degree yeah. program. Um, ended up saying, look, I'm going to finish out my last few years at SNU. Yeah. And um, and then I don't know how far you want me to go with my career journey all the way yeah, up to yeah. today. I mean, but yeah, so, um, so out of high school, I used to, um, I, I wanted the bulb professionally, which was pretty okay. random. And then I realized when I started doing the math, that was going to be a hard living. Um, and I was working for a family-owned business that was in the uh, drilling tool business, so mm-hmm. they were in energy. And I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do um, and ended up starting at the ground level at Chesapeake Energy in 1996 yeah. and was able to grow with the company, um, was promoted to VP of administration in 2009 and left there when I was in 2014. Yeah. So as you can imagine, there were a few uh, highs and lows throughout that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but ultimately, it built what I feel is one of the most amazing professional foundations any person can have. And mm-hmm. so I don't regret one second of it. Um, and when I left there, I went to uh, uh, automotive retail and a large auto group here mm-hmm. in uh, town and in Tulsa, so throughout the state. And I was their chief administrative officer. Mm-hmm. 
um, and decided automotive retail wasn't probably my future. I was yeah. getting in my late 40s and was trying to position myself for, uh, you know, my future. And I was there five years, had uh, an amazing time and learned quite a bit and said, you know, during that time at Bob Moore Auto Group, um, I... Um, my wife and I purchased a bowling center yeah. in Southeast Oklahoma City, and I'll share a little bit more about that here in a second. And so it gave me the confidence that I've always managed businesses sure. while working for companies, and and it just allowed me that extra nudge I needed to do my own thing. And yeah. so in uh, December of 2019, I started a vehicle fleet management company called Onward Fleet Solutions. Mm-hmm while still having the bowling center. Um, and um, obviously um, had some great success, even in a pandemic year, which yeah. was tough, because right. here I am three months into a new company, and ultimately, like, the world's shutting down for a little bit. Yeah, and I guess no one's going to your bowling alley, right? Because, or they were, but like, they the were. initial period yeah. was probably like, hang on, what's going on here? Yeah. We're not allowed to be open. Yeah, and it was yeah. during peak season too, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. because really in the bowling industry, you know, peak seasons mid-August to right. mid-April. And so, yeah, so we shut down for 45 days. So it was yeah. really, okay, I'm going to play a little golf. I'm not a great golfer, but I love to play. Yeah. And fast forward a couple of months and um, had the opportunity to start another business mm-hmm. uh, with a partner slash friend of mine called Real. Um, and, and our website's realanywhere.com. And Real yeah. stands for Remote Enterprise Administration and Logistics. And really, it's a... A virtual workforce that um, really ties into organizations that need support. So anything HR, sure. IT, marketing, accounting, um, executive assistance, and anything that yeah, has to yeah. do with the back office, um, we've we've built a, a company around that. And so, yeah, so not only one company during a pandemic year, let's start two. Um, and here we are. Um, right. we're, we're still breathing. We're still going. Yeah. We're still growing. Um, and so it's been it's been a great story. And and, and it's funny, people ask me, like, why? And I said, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've had some great mentors in my life, and I've learned more in the last 18 months than mm-hmm. I have in the last decade. That's crazy, so, isn't it? Yeah, so I don't know if that's too much or not yeah. enough, but I, I gave you probably an hour story in yeah. a few minutes. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. That's your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the fact that you came here from California, like, you know, not like everyone else that seems to be, if you watch the media, is coming to flooding to Texas and, and Oklahoma from California. Sure. Um, so, so when you came here, I guess, you know, with the dream of, of being a professional bowler, like, How'd you get into bowling? Oh, great, great question. So I love telling the story because yeah. people, people ask. So I played baseball when I was in California, and my parents didn't have a ton of income. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, when we moved here, we were like, had nothing to do. And my brother, who's 11 months younger, um, and we were trying to figure out who was the plan, who wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, 11 months, but our parents never answered that question. <laughs> and um, we went into a bowling alley just to practice one day, or yeah. just to bowl. And like, we weren't competitive at the time. So I never really bowled competitively in California. I played mm-hmm. baseball um, with my friends. And lady at the front desk says, you guys should sign up for a youth league and so my brother and I were like heck yeah, yeah we'll sure, sign up yeah. for a youth league and then we'll ask our parents later because we got to figure out how to pay for it right. and so from that moment on we started bowling youth leagues on Saturday and it just 
got to be where we got a little better and got a little better and had a great youth program director yeah. and just started, you know, really in a matter of like three or four years, I was bowling some tournaments when I was, I was going out to Vegas when I was in high school yeah. to bowl tournaments. Wow. Um, so yeah, so that's how, um, that, that's how we jumped in there. It was just a random yeah. uh, lady, um, not random lady, because I still see her on occasion today. She hits us up while we're, while we're there and, yeah. you know, here we are 30 plus years later. That's fast. The, the bowling, says, you know, I'm from the UK originally, right? We don't, we only have bowling, but not to the extent that you guys have it out here. And it fascinates me because, you know, you're, it's probably like early in the morning, you can't sleep or you got jet lag when you go home, you flick on TV and it's, you know, sports and bowling is on and you just watch it and you're thinking, <laughs> this is like, I mean, it's it's really really hard to do. Sure. Like and then you watch and you know the guys and they're spinning it down. It's you know strike yeah. every you know almost every time and it's I don't know it's such a I think it could be such a great atmosphere to go and watch it live right yeah. to just hang out have you know have a good time and, and watch people because it's right there isn't it you can see everything happening. Sure. Um, so you get into that and I guess what was that first trip to Vegas like then? So um, and it was a, it was very tense. Yeah. Um, so here I'm in high school. Um, at the time, I had like I sold shares for hundred and seventy five dollars each. I sold ten of them. Yeah. The entry fee to the tournament was one thousand dollars. Wow. But it paid two hundred thousand. Yeah. And, um, and this so is a professional tournament. Or a it's, kids it's, tournament? It was really the highest level amateur tournament okay. at the time. Gotcha. And and it was it was called the High Roller. Um, ironically, or right, yeah. you know, makes sense, right? And and so, but it was a great format, and this is back in the late 80s, yeah. um, where it was super popular, and, and, and it's really one game match, one game elimination. And so it was a $1,000 entry fee. So at the time, you know, I had zero money. Damn. And so I sold shares to kind of pay some expenses. And so we flew down there and bowled, lost my first match. I was heartbroken because <laughs> I am a people pleaser. Right. Like I am like, how do I tell these people I just lost? Most yeah. of them like, they don't care. It was 175 maybe one or two bought yeah. two shares. And, um, but it was an amazing experience. And you think about one game, $1,000, and it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I really, I performed pretty well. I just got beat. Yeah. And so for me, I wasn't, like, when I sit back and reflect, and I, it took me a week, right, when I sit back and reflected. But it was just an amazing experience right. for some kid to be out in Vegas and bowling a tournament. Well, and flying and, out there, too, yeah. like, the whole deal. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a big, you know, it's a big step. And yeah. How old are you at that point? So I was 17. Okay, yeah, so that is a big step yeah. to be out there. And, you know, yeah. you're playing against, like I said, some of the best in the world or yeah. the best in the world at amateur level. And, and you're in Vegas and you have all this going on. And yeah, yeah, it was it was a great experience. And I did it, yeah, probably went six years in a row. And I had probably four decent years. So yeah. not everyone was just kind of lose. But because you're there and you plan to be there for the whole time because you right. don't want to go there with a, a negative yeah. way of thinking. And so I'm like, I'm going to plan to be there till the end because I'm going to make the finals. Yeah. And obviously we, we had to make some adjustments there. And so. then you hang out. And <laughs> yeah, you just hang out. That was what any 17-year-old kid could really do at the time People which wasn't a whole Vegas. lot yeah, yeah yeah pretty much pretty much <laughs> oh that's brilliant so yeah. so this obviously you're living in Oklahoma at this point um and you, you know you go to high school and then uh you know you get married at 19 and, and kid at you said 21 21 that's yeah. a, that's 
pretty life-changing yeah. experience early on in age, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and part of that allowed me to be an empty nester in my mid-40s. So, um, and, <laughs> and, and, and start so, two businesses. Yeah, so, right. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we uh, two children, um, a 27-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and a 22-year-old son, and they're actually fostering a little guy right now for yeah. about nine months, and sure hope he turns into permanent family. That's awesome. And, um, and, my, and, and they're actually um, expecting a, a baby girl in yeah. October. So so here I am, young. You don't see too many grandparents in their 40s, late 40s, um, yeah. uh, 49 to be exact. Um, but yeah, so super, super exciting stuff going right. on. And, and, and you know, I was, I'm going to make up for wherever I missed as a parent, as yeah, a grandparent. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. So you obviously go to SNU and you know, graduate and get the job at Chesapeake. Um, I guess, what was your degree in then? What were you like, you know, because the bowling thing, I guess, had fizzled out. Like, yeah. okay, like I can't really support family traveling, yeah. you know, the world playing, you know, bowling and stuff. So what was, what was I guess, the, not the, not the, the B, right? Not like the second choice, but you had to, realization comes in, right? You're like, you know, I've got to grow up a little bit. Sure. I have a wife and a child and, yeah. and I need to support. So I was a, I was a really good college student. Yeah. I'll be honest. I was a terrible high school student. I mean, I, I I didn't even make an A in horticulture. I don't think, um, and but I, I had just no I, I had ambition, yeah. but I just had no desire because I'm like I'm gonna work on this work in this family business and mm-hmm. I'm gonna bowl and everything's gonna take care of itself. Yeah. I learned early on that's not the way it goes. And so when I started at Chesapeake, I'd only had a year of college at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of off and on. And then I'm more of a lead by example. So my leadership style is really lead by example. And yeah. and I, you know, I couldn't expect my kids to go to college if I didn't. And my parents, um, you know, they didn't finish high school. So so they were happy with me just graduating high right. school. And and for me, I just I always I've always wanted more. Yeah. And 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 a lot of that comes from, you know, my Chesapeake time too, which is you know, think bigger, be better. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so, yeah, so I just said, okay, I need to stop making excuses and yeah. be solution focused and just, and, and grind it out. And so I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, business uh, admin, cause yeah. I've always done a little bit of everything. So I, I, I tell everybody I'm, I'm not a subject matter expert in anything. Now, if it came down to it, I'd probably find one or two. Yeah. But I have such general knowledge of support functions yeah. um, that I've learned so much through on-the-job training. And then the education really just kind of reinforced um, some yeah. of it. So the time at Chesapeake, that must have been an absolute blast. Oof. Like ups and downs. And I mean, just especially being at it for so long and being starting at the ground up and getting yeah. to VP of admin. Like yeah. you're in the thick of it, you know, Absolutely. all the way to the top, right? So that's yeah. that must have been, like I said, probably one of the greatest moments and toughest moments, I guess, of your career. Tough. Yeah. I, um, you know, so I started in 96, I believe they put the company up for sale in 99 and here I am, I'm still in my twenties. I've started a family and, and I'm still, you know, I don't even think I was a supervisor at the time. And people like don't realize when I tell some of the folks I work with today, like I started the Chesapeake before email. Yeah. And they're like, well, maybe you are old, you know? <laughs> and as they harass me a little bit, which I appreciate, those are the type of people I surround right. myself yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you can't have fun um, while working hard, then, right. you know, you're, you're not 
yeah. not a great fit for us. And so, so yeah, so there was a, a lot of, but just more growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, while there were some down times and they were tough and, and, you know, personally had to make a lot of decisions because I'm, I'm really, have always been invested in yeah. people, regardless if you're cleaning buildings or landscaping or running the restaurant or making supply chain, doing big contracts. Yeah. I've just, I've, I've always, it's been important to me to not lose sight of where I started. And I think that's been, really, I think it's been an advantage Mm -hmm. um, and a positive for me is to have that deep appreciation. Yeah. So the entrepreneurship stuff, I guess, where does that, like, where does that come from, right? Because obviously, you know, you said, you you know, families don't have much money growing up, parents didn't really graduate high school, and, and you've always wanted more. And that obviously comes from a lot of people in the same position, right? They didn't grow up with much. They have this desire and this work ethic that people who grow up with opportunity can't replicate or find it very hard to replicate. So where does, I guess, guess that entrepreneurship mindset come from? Like, were you selling, you know, like lemonade as a kid and baseball cards? And then, like, that's, you know, nobody's ever asked me that question. I I have probably a couple different answers Mm -hmm. for that. I, I think it comes from the fear of, not going back to some of the toughest times ever. Okay. And and I think if there's one thing my dad, you know, had and and helped drive is work ethic. Mm-hmm. And and I think you didn't last at Chesapeake if you didn't have work ethic. Now that also came with some sacrifices because right. maybe you didn't make every wrestling practice or every baseball game or baseball mm-hmm. practice. Um, but I think that that work ethic and just that desire to do more. So when I think about um, you know the upward trajectory for me as 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 a business owner and trying to grow businesses, I think about it not only for me personally, but I also put as much weight, probably more weight, in impacting other people's lives. So when I look at the bowling center, they were going to close the doors, yeah. so people were going to be without a job, and. And it was, and as I took a look at it, I didn't have time to run it. My wife would run it, but I could yeah. put the framework together in my spare mm-hmm. time, whatever that means, right? Right, yeah. And, but when I look now, like we've taken something that was going to close down and we are going to, we're, we're in a, a, a lower income um, area and it's a diverse, demo, I mean, diverse demographic, yeah. which is good. And we put some money into it and, and we brought it back to life. And so right. now when I look back and that had to do a lot with Aubrey McClendon, right? And his desire to help others. Mm-hmm. And it just really cascaded down to me. And, and so here we buy Bowling Center, we put a bunch of money into it. It's, it's in an area that needed some help because yeah. not every area could be, you know, Chisholm Creek-like, right? right? And, yeah. and for us, and, and everybody is doing better financially than they've ever done. Mm-hmm. The bowling center is successful in three years. And so it, it just reinforces yeah. that, hey, if you put a plan together... And and surround yourself with great people, like the sky's the limit. Yeah. And so so I think part of that's just to, you know, one, continue moving forward mm-hmm. and and trying to find and continue to find those exciting opportunities. But also that, you know, impacting people's lives in a positive way. You know, yeah. I look back, I, I made eight dollars an hour when I started at Chesapeake. Yeah. Eight dollars an hour. And without that, I don't buy a bowling center. I don't employ 17 people. Mm-hmm. I don't impact a community, right. you know, and, yeah. and really I owe 80% of it, you know, to my time at Chesapeake. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? How, yeah. how did the opportunity come up 
to get the bowling alley then? You said he was going out of business. Yeah, so um, so I had stopped bowling. If I couldn't do it competitively at right. the level I wanted to, I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm out. I'll mm -hmm. go see some friends occasionally once a year that I haven't seen. Um, well, we blinked. Um, my wife and I were in our mid-40s, and we're like, now what do we do? Yeah. And I had always worked, so I wasn't really worried about me, but she had always, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom or uh -huh. volunteered. And, and so we actually tried to buy the bowling center in El Reno. It had been for sale yeah. for a long time. We actually made an offer, just couldn't come to terms on it. So I said, okay, it's not meant to be. I moved sure. on. Yeah. And about a year later, my brother texts me and says, hey, they're closing the doors at Holiday Lanes. And I'm like, okay. And it's been family-owned since 1959. Yeah. Um, and Mr. and Mrs. Freeman, the Freeman family, have owned it. And um, John Freeman, you know, who's still, like, he is one of the few guys I would have bought that bowling center on a handshake. Yeah. That's how true he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so we came to terms on it and basically put as much money into it as what we paid for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and, and obviously had a plan, but, you know, you're hoping. Oh, yeah. And in the middle and, of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> was I mean, this before? Well, we bought this it in before. 2018. Okay. So, so, we had, so we had a real good 2019. Yeah. And then we were on to a great 2020. Um, and, and things get in the way. But you know yeah. what? Life has a lot of obstacles. Right. And, and for us, the fact that our employees were going to be taken care of, and it was super important, regardless, before the PPP, yeah. when we closed the doors, we told them, we said, we don't know how long, but everybody's going to get paid. I don't want anybody to worry. Yeah. Because those people make the bowling center successful. Right. I can do a lot. Yeah. But it's mm -hmm. all about the people. It's, it's more of you and, you know, even though you're, you know, you, like I said, you, everyone's going to get paid. But that kind of comes as an invest. You're investing in them Absolutely. as well, right? Because yeah. they're coming back yeah. twice as like you know they they are your fans when they come back, right. aren't they? You know they're Absolutely. like we love working here. Like yeah. they appreciate it so much more. Did not lose one person in the process. That's amazing. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that and have struggled nobody had to, to file to for unemployment. People. Yeah, and and you know we take great pride, and I think yeah. I think that's a big contributor to where we're at today. Mm -hmm. Is because of that. Is because people are seeing the same faces when yeah. they come in. Um, but yeah, and it, it's a tough business. No business is right. easy, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's retail. You're dealing. You're in the customer service business and customer experience business. Yeah. But but it's been great. It's been fun. Um, there's probably a few more Denny's working there than we need to because it seems like when everybody gets old enough to work uh, so that's where I kind of stay out because I'm like okay there's there's way too many Denny's in yeah. here but it's it's great and really the two key like like I said my wife manages it and my daughter-in-law is yeah. there um, and um, she does a great job too and again we just have a great great that's great group awesome. of people yeah I guess did you think like was this, you know, being wanting to be a professional? Would, did was the other goal as well to like to own your own? Never, never, never. He would just thought, hang on, I, I know this, but I know this That's sport. Right. Yeah, I think, and my experience in in a chess peak and everything else. Sure, why not? Yeah, and so that's part of it, right? Like. Nobody knows the sport and industry like I do. Yeah. And I think I bring a little progressive um, perspective to owning the business where a lot of folks are still um, very complacent. Yeah. And and I believe you got to go out there and, and drive it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we really focused on our online reputation and we really focused on delivering um, what we say. And, yeah. and, and it's a quality experience. We cleaned it up. We put money into it. And our food and beverage quality is amazing, right? Yeah. So part of my, you know, experience, I, I ran the restaurants at Chesapeake and, you know, you didn't have low quality food there in that environment. And yeah. so it made me and I want to make sure it's a place that I'm proud to go eat there. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and we get more compliments. Like people are 
always surprised when they walk in there. And they're just because it's clean, mm -hmm. it looks great, and the food and beverage quality is amazing, and the service yeah. is amazing, and and that's something we're not perfect. And so I, I you know, because my Chesapeake trained eyes, I can walk in there and notice something. Right. So sometimes I just have to stay away instead of kind of nitpicking. Um, that's a weakness of mine, yeah. but it's a strength at the same time. So I've, I'm, I'm learning to work with that. But it keeps uh, your staff on the toast, yeah. they? Like they always know, like yeah. they've got to pick things up. Things have got to be clean and, and yeah. tidy, and it's. It's you know you're you're training them as well, right? Yeah. So hopefully that'll overflow into other parts of their lives, like it has for you while sure. you were a Chesapeake. Yeah, and and I'll tell you probably the biggest life that's that's been impacted in that place is my dad got remarried, and so my brother, he, two of their kids were in the bombing and they survived. Mm. And so Brandon, my brother, who's now 28, um, was not very social and and couldn't do a whole lot because mm. he has some disabilities and. And he works there five days a week. I think he's there seven days a week. Yeah. And now I have to kind of hit him in the back of the head because he's too social. And it truly has changed his life. That's and so awesome. watching some of those transformations, you know, again, it goes back to that warm. At, at the end of the day, you got to have a solid P&L, right? right? But if you can have some warm fuzzies along the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I love that. I mean, that, that find me a way to have a win, 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 and I'll sign up for those yeah. businesses all day. And I guess full circle, do you guys have like, a you know, the focus on youth program as well and getting kids in there? And yeah, so we, we struggled with that early on. Mm -hmm. um, we put a, a new uh, youth director in place. A, about three months ago, mm -hmm. um, Enrique, and he has just hit it out of the park. Uh -huh. Like, like we went from having, you know, 10 to 15 kids to now 30 to 40 kids. Yeah. And and there's one who's now 15 that I, I've kind of adopted per se and said, you know, he came in and was just practicing like I did when I was yeah. a kid. And I'm like, you know, he, he has a great passion for it. And and so I've just kind of always taken yeah. care of him. Um, and But yeah, we have, we, our youth program is as good as anybody's right now. And I know it's only going to get better because, you know, most people don't know you can earn scholarship dollars. Yeah. Me, I earned some, but I had no desire for college at the time, right. so I never util utilized them. And so, um, but yeah, so great youth program right now. Super excited about the work he's done in yeah. just a short amount of time. Well, and, and you know this too, like the lessons that, that competitive sport teaches you from a young age. Like, yeah. you know, I, I played golf at a young age and grew up, uh, you know, around golf and around all the people and, and you just grow up a lot faster right? sure. and you have all these experiences especially in competition you know winning losing getting used to failing practicing right, right? failing if you haven't practiced and yeah. understanding why and there's so many lessons around that sure and you know you you're an asset to a university when you come in even if you don't play that sport at right. university but you play something else you know sure. you're on your resume like I've been competitively bowling, you know, for six years. Yeah, you they can tell you have a head on your shoulders, and you're, you know, you, you have like this kind of thing about you, right? You're not just coming in with like, oh, I'm just kind of. Not to say that people who just don't play sport don't have it, but it's different, isn't it? When yeah. you've had that experience at a young age, absolutely, you can't learn that in a textbook and and in a classroom. Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah. So, so the bowling, obviously, you know, you've, you've kind of got that, you're, you're scratching that itch, which I'm sure, you know, like you said, you didn't really know you had, and now you, you have, the, you know, the, the, the lanes, the, the facility, um, the youth program's going well, and then you think, hang on, there's an opportunity, because during the pandemic, no one's in work, and people are trying to outsource, and everyone's, like, more comfortable using technology, yeah. you think, hang on a second, there's a business to be had here. Tell me about that period yeah. and how does that happen? Yeah, perfect. So I'd already started the fleet management company at the time. Okay. And so I was four months into that and actually had a couple clients and was starting to see a little progress. And in June, my, um, my now current partner 
says, hey, I've got this great idea. And I said, great, let me know if I can help you. And I move on, right? I'm kind of like, I'm trying to be a mentor. Yes, yes. Because he knows I started up a few companies and I ran a few companies. And and so about 30 days go by. So now we're in July. And he goes, hey, Tim, I really, you know, because the Genesis started off as like remote executive assistants. And and I just said, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Let's tackle the whole support. Because that's been my whole background, right? So um, let's tackle HR. Let's tackle IT. There's there's a bigger need mm-hmm. out there. And you're right. People have had to embrace um, Zoom and Teams and, and, and working remotely. Yeah. So let's excel at that. And, and while we can do a ton remotely, there's mm-hmm. still on-site needs, right? Yeah. So it's not every 100%. But um, And so we put a plan together. And I said, you know, I wanted to roll out 12 services day one, but we'd still be talking about rollout, right? So we picked we picked four. Yeah. We said, let's go with marketing. Let's go with IT. Let's go with HR. And let's yeah. go with EAs. And so we formed the partnership in July, and we launched in September. So we didn't mm-hmm. waste any time. Um, and was able to sign up a few clients by year end. But, you know, as a startup, you're out there hitting the pavement, sharing mm-hmm. the story. And, um, and and we've added a few clients this year, and we actually hired um, a full-time sales and business development yeah. uh, a couple of months ago. Um, Liz Valerio does a fantastic job. And, and we've got some exciting things that yeah. we're doing, too. So we're not just handling the four areas where, where we've got a concept called, you know, Real360, which is going to be the full support, accounting, mm-hmm. legal, ITHR. And then we're going to tie into a, a Real Energy 360 and, yeah. and a similar solution for energy companies. And and while energies, it's been a little tough over the last uh, couple of years, right. we're starting to see a little momentum there. And, and, and our background, since we've lived so long in energy, a lot of these folks that we work with are starting up their own companies yeah. and they want that they want those big practices technology and processes and so we're able to kind of mm-hmm. take that to them in a one-stop shop right um, so yeah so once I blew them off for 30 days and then we kind of formed the partnership and and I was uh, I was worried about the perception of my current onward fleet clients right. what would it look like what's Tim doing um, once I got over that and people yeah. who know me know that I've been juggling multiple balls in the air for quite some time I said let's make it happen and yeah. so we're all in we're excited we're position for a good year but mm-hmm. you know it takes time and and that's what we're that's what we're doing now we're building we're evolving right. and, and reinvesting and yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely um so again it's it's been a great opportunity and again a great learning experience yeah so i guess before that then where, where does the fleet thing come from is that your time at uh, yeah. bob moore and you see the opportunity again yeah so chesapeake so yeah. i so again i had like 450 people reporting to me at one time at Chesapeake. So it was like its own company or companies. Mm -hmm. And part of that was the vehicle fleet. And so when I took over the vehicle fleet, it had 300 units. At its peak, it had 7,000. Wow. Yes. So we were buying and selling more cars than most dealerships. And that's not just trucks. That's like executive cars as well. And that's everybody who works for the company that has a car. CNG, Honda Civics. I mean, it's and it's several companies. It's anywhere from a sedan to class eight vehicles over the road um, because we were buying trucking companies at the time. And so so and and as you can imagine, you didn't take a year to do that. I mean, Things kind of grew practically overnight, okay. and so you know we had a fleet department of you know let's say eight or ten people, yeah. plus a, a, a fleet management company that was helping us. And so during that time, you know we would hire a couple people where we found some gaps in mm-hmm. fleet management companies, and I just had a passion for it. Yeah. And so so with that passion, um, 
you know, I said, okay, I, I moved on, you know, left in 2014, went to the auto group, and I learned a lot there. Mm-hmm. And then when I knew I was leaving, it was just a matter of what am I going to do? And I'm like, I'm, you know, fleet, I think there's a great opportunity in fleet management. Yeah. Either you're a real big company or you don't do it. Yeah. And, and so there's only, and there's, there's no Oklahoma based fleet management company. So I was attracted by that. Right. I was attracted by the challenge. Okay, because that's yeah, a motivator, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And and so we built it. I mean, from zero vehicles um, to where we are, where yeah. we are today, which is you know almost seven hundred, and we've got about twenty clients and growing. Yeah. Um, and again, it's been, but I can take. So when people ask, well, what are some of your differentiators? Well, one, it's always the people, and two, um, it's nobody like. I've been a fleet manager, so I've yeah. been on your side of the table, so I can relate. I know what it's mm-hmm. like to try to get something done when your drivers are remote and they're yeah. generating your revenue. Um, and so you bring in that fleet management experience in a very dynamic environment, managing 7,000 vehicles across 17 states, and then you bring in the automotive retail question right. or uh, experience, and I've, you know, there's just a good blend. There's almost like a question I can't answer or I, I haven't right. been involved with. So I can take that and bring solutions to our clients. Yeah. So it was just, it was really landing on where my passion was because I knew if I was passionate about it, mm-hmm. the chances would be good. I would be successful. Right. Yeah. There's like a reoccurring theme here, right? There's bowling and then working at Chesapeake and thinking, hang on a second, I can do this. I'm going to start. There's an opportunity. I'm going to get the bowling. And then there's the onward fleet stuff, which is like, I've done my time at Chesapeake as well. And I have what time at Bob Moore and then there's the you know like the tech admin side which is like this is just a melee of everything most people would just do one business not just three right right? Right. and and it I I love that drive you know just like well let's figure it out why not like and you said you'd love the challenge and I mean they what is what what because I've met people like yourself they're always ticking that what was next you know what's coming what's coming next now that all these businesses are kind of like safe right you've kind of I mean they're still growing but they still require your attention but they're not like you know drowning right what is next yeah so I've shied away from a couple of opportunities right I'm just kind of like no my focus this year is to still build the foundation of these two Uh businesses and and we just have so so much more opportunity obviously with the fleet company 15 months old Uh I'm I'm a little bit I've got more of a foundation built there and it's more the focused on on the real um, real anywhere.com company and and it and it's just really because we're still in six months right so so, so I think for the rest of the year, it'll be really working on that foundation, rolling gotcha. out the kind of the real 360 solution, the real energy 360 solution, yeah. and 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 really just start building that book of business. Because mm-hmm. um, in, in startups, you know, you're doing all the outreach. A lot of people aren't calling you, yeah. right? Um, so you're doing the outreach. And, and what's great about Onward, because the journey will be the same right. with Real. So back to the fleet management company, we're now getting, a, I mean, we're still doing outreach because mm-hmm. we have a full-time sales and BD person. Yeah. But we're now getting the point where people are calling us. So mm-hmm. that word of mouth is starting to get there. And, and, and that's about, I expected, kind of in the 12 to 24-month range. Right. And that's a great feeling. Even on my way here, I, you know, I had gotten an inquiry from someone I served on the board of Make-A-Wish with. Yeah. And um, and it was just like, how fantastic is this? Like, I haven't yeah. seen 
I hadn't seen him in a year and he inquires and, and it's just whether anything happens or not, it just tells me and provides me a little bit more confidence that mm -hmm. we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. People are hearing about you and yeah. like I said, you're getting phone calls rather sure. than you like, Hey, I know I haven't spoken yeah. to you in forever, but I started a new, it, it's yeah. a totally different conversation yeah. isn't it? when you reach out to when they reach out to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, tell me about the make a wish stuff. I yeah. Mean, that's, that, uh, just make a wish or was there a bunch no, of other there's stuff? No, there's two you know? boards, okay. um, special care, um, which is located off 122nd. Western. I've mm -hmm. been on that board for about eight years. And and that that organization was started by the executive director, um, Pam Newby. And and really the genesis of that was, you know, she had a child that had some yeah. disabilities and couldn't find any um, really child care or, or great education. Yeah, yeah. And so let's start special care. So she has started that. Um, and, and ultimately I had the option, uh, opportunity to be on the board. Um, I was still at Chesapeake at the time. And yeah. I said, I just, cause again, as you can imagine, if I'm going to be on the board, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and be right. on the board. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's not just yeah, a resume it's not builder, just is it? at <laughs> yeah. all, which I, you know, at yeah. some point in time, I got to think about things, but I'm just, I'm, I'm all in and everything I do. Yeah. And and I met with Pam in, in the first five minutes. I said, I'm in. Mm -hmm. And so it's been it's been a great organization. They're doing great things. There's still a lot more people to help, but there's mm -hmm. only so much facility size and so many educators to, to help. Mm -hmm. and, and, and their program is, you know, they have two-thirds of their um, students and children that have disabilities, but then they have a third that don't. And so, yeah. so it's great for both because you get interaction. Yeah. And and it's just fantastic. And and every time I think about how busy I am and, and there's a board meeting and, and I, I wish I can do more, I you go walk through the facility one time yeah. and see the smiles and you're like, Don't ever catch your catch yourself thinking like that. You yeah. know, and, and we're in a position to to help others and I believe in that. Mm -hmm. And and make a wish is a, another interesting story. So a friend of mine had a little casino night at his mm -hmm. house. 11 years ago. And it was really 20 people benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And and everyone just had the greatest time. Now, yeah. Open Bar will do that, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. it always makes things a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. But that's the uh, lesson one in fundraising. Yeah, isn't it? absolutely. Free alcohol. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so, so I saw how much fun everybody had, and I said, Brent, let's take this to the next level. Mm -hmm. And so we did. So we moved from the house to the Express Event Center at the time, which was off Northwest Expressway and had a couple hundred people. Yeah. And then did that for a few years and then went to, I'm going to reference the old name, the Cowboy Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay. And did that for about five or six years and then really outgrew that. Mm -hmm. And now we obviously didn't do anything last year and won't do anything this year. Sure. Um, and then went to the Cox Convention Center <clears throat> and had about 600 people for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Raising some great money. So all... All the years that we did that, all the proceeds benefited Make-A-Wish. Gotcha. So I had the opportunity to join the board. Um, in fact, we're talking, do I term out August of this year or August of next year? And I said, I'll let the compliance committee figure that out. <laughs> but, um, and so, I got, so I've been on the board um, mm -hmm. for over five years. And just a great process, great mm -hmm. group of people. And again, unbelievable mission, right. as you can imagine. And, and it's the, you know, all the make a wish things because people are familiar with it, that everybody's flooded with money Yeah, and it's not, it's well, not they're the out there grinding, you know, um, obviously in today's environments, it's, it's right. even tougher. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really had, I had the privilege. I was board chair a couple of years ago. So mm -hmm. I learned a lot. I have much more d deeper appreciation for those, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. cause 
board members can be a lot of work at times, but you take over the board chair role. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and again, like you know, another yeah. organization with a lot of needs that need to be met, but it's truly extra special. And, mm-hmm. and, and we've helped a lot of people and I've met a lot of great people along the way. Yeah. So it's been fantastic experience. That's awesome. Uh, I guess we'll close with this. So you've been in Oklahoma City for a very long time. You've seen the growth of Oklahoma City yep. uh, and now being a business owner, you're a part of that growth too. Uh, you know, with the bowling alley and other businesses, what's it been like? Like, you know, people like I came here 2000, August, 2011, Devon tower was halfway built. Like yeah. nothing really was, you know, it was kind of growing, but it isn't nowhere near what it is today. And even before that was when you came here. So, I mean, what's it been like? And, and I'm, I'm sure it's exciting to see as yeah, a business owner. It's, it's amazing. I remember my daughter, you know, when she was thinking, getting done with high school, she's like, I'm leaving the state. I'm leaving the state. Yeah. I'm like, you don't understand. Like things are so much better and wait for the next 10 years. And obviously she had, you know, that wake up call and said, this is fantastic. It's been amazing. I go back to where I started at Chesapeake. There was no email. Um, when I moved here, there was no Kilpatrick Turnpike. Yeah. Right. And so I love the progressive leadership. I love that business leaders are stepping up and, and from where we were, you know, years ago to where we are today is amazing. And what's even more exciting is where we're going to be 10 years from now. Yeah. And I love it. And, and I would not change I, I, I will never leave here. Now, I love to go visit Southern California, but mm-hmm. I'm always in a hurry to get back, okay? But you cannot beat the friendliness yeah. of the people, and I'm just glad over the last 15-plus years that we've had the right leadership in the right spots to have what we have today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. I'm the yeah. same way. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I obviously love going home, love seeing family, uh, yeah. uh, but the goal is to get family to move here. Sure. Uh, and just because it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I think... You know, other states and, and, and just the states in general has so much opportunity. But but when you come here and you meet the people and, and, and realize that it, it's then, you know, they're not just being nice to get you dollars. They're just generally nice sure. people. Absolutely. Uh, food is now great. And, yeah. we, you know, we said this a lot, uh, you know, big businesses coming in. I guess the recent thing at the moment is the renaming of the of the Thunder Arena yeah. to yeah. whatever that is going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, um, well, it's just exciting. And, yeah. and then the Omni and everything else is coming in. Scissor Hill Park. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's fantastic. It's, again, because I had the privilege of working around some progressive leadership back mm-hmm. in, in my time at Chesapeake, we're seeing a lot of that, yeah. you know, with the mayor and the leaders and the business leaders. And I I just, you know, I can't wait to reflect back another decade from now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, mate, yeah. I, thanks so much for coming down and yeah. sharing some stories. For everyone listening, everything that Tim has mentioned, his businesses, I'll post the links in the description so you can go there, check out the trucking, check out the, not trucking, the, the fleet, fleet, check out the, you know, the real 360 stuff that's going to come yeah. out soon. And, and the bowling alley too. If you love bowling, then why not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, thanks for everyone listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also, huge shout out to RCB Bank for jumping on board to be a sponsor. RCB Bank's loan promotion is here for a limited time. Head into any of their 40 Oklahoma locations to get as low as 1.79 APR on your next car, boat, camper, or ATV. Apply online at rcbbank.com. RCB Bank, that's my bank. Rate and finance with approved credit. Restrictions apply and member SDIC. Huge shout out to my sponsors. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, 
Follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.